Welcome to Disaffected. I'm Joshua Slocum, and this is the show where we talk about politics, culture, and relationships through a psychological lens. And we actually have a show this week. Sorry we missed you guys last week. We've been doing lots of things. As you notice, the set is new. Uh, We have some rescued video from last week. Some of it got corrupted, so you're going to get a little bonus. It's going to come out in, in little short bits this week. But this is today's show. And we are going to talk about Elon Musk buying Twitter, which is delicious. We're going to bring you this year's crunkest Halloween costumes. And we're going to talk about how Cluster B values have become normal mainstream values. So Elon Musk finally bought Twitter this past Friday and walked into Twitter headquarters, excuse me, Twitter headquarters like this. (laughs) (laughs) Actual kitchen sink. And he tweets out, let that sink in. (laughs) And he says he's going to unban all the accounts that have been banned for what he calls dubious reasons. He's also discovered, as we all knew, a huge amount of shadow banning that Twitter has been doing to users. If you don't know what shadow banning means, it means this. What they do, let's say you have a Twitter account or any social media account that supplies any social media account. What they do is nothing that you, the user, see changes. You you type out your tweets or your Instagrams. It looks like everything's normal. But what you don't know is that your content is not showing up in your followers' feeds. It's not showing up in the algorithm. They're they're suppressing you from being viewed. So all of a sudden, you may discover that, and I I actually did discover this on, on one of the Twitter accounts I had before all of them got banned. I went in a couple of days from getting lots and lots of engagement, lots of likes, lots of retweets to, you know, maybe five people, indicating that they'd even seen it. That shadow banning, it's a really disgusting Kafka-esque practice. It's information asymmetry. They're lying to you, and they're doing it on purpose. So he found that they are, in fact, doing what Twitter has claimed repeatedly that they're not doing, because, of course, they are pathological liars. Twitter is run by neurotics and cluster bees. Well, 75% of them, Elon says, are going to be given their walking papers. And the leftists are going absolutely hysterical. You know, it was great. The very first day he went in there. Oh, you know what? Actually, I'm going to... Some of you are going to be thinking, why am I talking about this? Why am I going to be... And I'm going to spend some time in this segment on Twitter. Why am I doing that? Okay. If you are one of the people that says, but it's only 10% of American users. Most people aren't on Twitter. This isn't a big deal. I'm talking to you directly. I'm justifying to you why this does actually matter. Twitter sets the mainstream discourse. For years now, I can't even count how long, journalists are on Twitter constantly. The mainstream media gets its stories from Twitter. Politicians react to Twitter. Companies fire their managers because a customer complained on Twitter. It does not matter that you personally think that Twitter doesn't matter because there aren't very many people on it. Even though you don't know it, your life is, in fact, largely curated by Twitter. What you see in the New York Times, CNN, MSNBC, uh, any of the major media, NPR, Twitter, Twitter, Twitter. So, yes, 
even you who doesn't use it, you are seeing a life and a bunch of content that has been filtered by Twitter. That's why I'm going to talk about this. So the leftists are going hysterical. Well, the first thing Elon does, he frogged March, those sons of bitches at the top of his company, right out of the building on day one. He fired the CEO. He fired the CFO. He fired the director of legal compliance. And this was the woman, uh, the legal woman, who um, made the call to ban Donald Trump from Twitter. He actually had them escorted out by security. Yeah, that was a little shiver. (laughs) So who's mad? Taylor Lorenz is mad. Taylor Lorenz is the former New York Times columnist. She is now a Washington Post technology columnist. And uh, Taylor Lorenz has made her living by defaming people. And I'm not using these words figuratively. I'm using them literally and in their legal sense. I believe Taylor Lorenz has defamed and actually libeled, yes, actionable legal libel, repeatedly, the people that she wants to destroy, such as the woman who runs the account Libs of TikTok, which shows merely reposts content from people on TikTok crazy teachers, crazy hard left activists. She merely reposts this stuff and they want her to stop because she brings it out and she shows it to millions of people. So Taylor Lorenz went after her. She actually started walking, bodily walking around her neighborhood, knocking on her door, knocking on the doors of this woman's family members um, so that she could write her hit piece. So here's Taylor crying. She says on Twitter, it's like the gates of hell opened on this site tonight. (laughs) Oh, it's going to make a really disgusting joke, but I'm not going to do it. If you want to hear the joke, sign up to support us financially, and I'll tell it to you in Discord. (laughs) Let's show Taylor, Kevin. This is Taylor Lorenz's, um, and this is a woman somewhere between 40 and une certain age. Um, She's very coy about it. She's sitting here in this like Ernie from Bert and Ernie on Sesame Street, uh, horizontally striped, um, I was going to say jumper because I, um, I have my UK friends in my head. We call it a sweater. Uh, and she's kind of hunched up and she's going, <laughs> Giggle cool. I'm a cute girl. No, you're not. You're a lying bitch. Um, Dan Rather is upset too. <laughs> oh, I got to get borderline glasses for this one. Mm. Dan Rather says, With this Twitter thing maybe changing considerably, a question I am asking. Should I stay or should I go now? If I go, there will be trouble. And if I stay, it will be double. So come on and let me know. Should I stay or should I go? Thank you, The Clash 1981. (laughs) You're so cool, Dan. Well, did you really think he was going to (laughs) go? No. Two tweets down, this is what he has to say. For now, I'm not leaving this site. I recognize many are rightly worried about changes to come. A reminder, I also have my newsletter, Steady. We're building a community. Most content is free to all. No algorithms or new owners 
will come between us. We begin to rock steady, steady rocking all night long with Dan Rather. <laughs> Algorithms and new owners won't come between us. Stop it. That's your side, Dan. That's not us who are in the independent and conservative side. We're not trying to ban you. Yeah, let me repeat that. Dan and liberals, we, independents and conservatives, are not trying to ban you. We don't want to ban you. We don't want to silence you. We never have wanted to silence you. That's you. Dan is projecting. He's confessing his own point of view by accusing the other side of doing it. Again, cluster B, narcissistic reversal. I'm not saying that Dan is, is necessarily a cluster B, but it is a narcissistic reversal. Um, this has never been a symmetrical fight. And this, this, I had to swallow a lot of crow about this when I dropped being a liberal because I spent my time squawking and screeching that there was no such thing as the liberal media and conservatives owned everything. <laughs> no, no, Josh. No, that wasn't true. It's never been symmetrical. It's never been both sides. There have actually been political studies done on this that show liberals literally do not understand the political position of conservatives. They think they do, but they don't. They do not accurately answer questions on surveys when they're asked, what do your conservative well, I was going to say neighbors, but they only think of conservatives as opponents and enemies. What do your political enemies believe? They give wildly inaccurate answers that, that characterize people with conservative points of view as having the most extreme and bloodthirsty uh, points of view possible. Again, it is confession through projection. But we, the independents and conservatives, on those same studies and tests, we do actually understand them. We are able to accurately articulate their position, the position that we disagree with. We can accurately state what it is. So we're not actually talking to each other. You've got one side over here on the left, like, oh, I'm looking at myself and my return monitor here and realizing that everything is flipped. Never mind. I'm not even going to try to play left and right. It's not symmetrical. Um, and, and we don't want to do to them what they want to do to us. We don't feel about them the way they feel about us. Sure, there are some people on the right wing who are just as crazy. But no, no, I'm not going to make you feel better by saying it's just as many. It's just people on the fringe. No, it's not just as many. It isn't. There are orders of magnitude more insane and, yes, violent and violence-approving leftists compared to the number that you find on the right. Sorry, it's just objective fact. Well, <laughs> let's talk about some hometown liberal progressives who are also upset. You've seen on the show before how Christopher Aaron Felker, who is the chairman of the um, Republican Party of Burlington, he's my friend. He's been on the show. We did the demonstration against Outright Vermont where we live streamed. Christopher um, mounted that event. And he has been, he, both his personal account and the account for the Burlington, Vermont uh, GOP has been repeatedly banned 
based on nothing, simply because these liberal people who've been getting away with all actual threats against people like Christopher and me, actual threats, they've been getting away with being able to just uh, tag in Twitter support and say, he, he, he said a bad thing against my community. Christopher was texting me earlier this week. Okay, this account's banned. Now my next one's banned. Now my next one's banned. Well, then comes Elon. And one of the tormentors, um, I hope, no, I know they're not watching, but maybe if I say the name enough times, Life Cy Vermont, Life Cy Vermont uh, will uh, we'll look at this segment because I'm talking about you. So Christopher's original tweet from the Republican Party's account was a version of the signs that we used on the demonstration. Stop sterilizing and mutilating children. I know that you can't see the whole thing in the capture that I have here on the screen, but that's what it says. Stop sterilizing and mutilating children. (laughs) So Life Sci Vermont, whoever this, I think it's a dude. This dude is crackers, honey. Okay, he is crackers. He is just, uh, he just spins around like a dervish. He is furious that anyone is allowed to say anything that's not liberal progressive. So he responds to the tweet saying this. Hey, Elon Musk, he tags Elon. Not sure letting hate mongers like the man behind this account is actually what you want your investors and advert is actually what your investors and advertisers were interested in when they loaned you those billions. Might want to take a second look. And then he tags Twitter support. And then does the little praying hands icon. Oh, namaste, namaste. (laughs) Fuck you. (laughs) This is how deranged these people are. Elon Musk bought Twitter. This guy knows he did. So he tweets at Elon Musk. And he thinks, well, if if Elon Musk doesn't, then Twitter support will. Twitter support belongs to Elon, you dumbass. <laughs> oh, here's what's going on. This is this is an example of decompensation. It's a psychological term. It applies to all humans, not only those with personality disorders. Decompensation refers to when someone's normal defense mechanisms against uh, bruises to their ego, um, uh, you know, anything that is psychologically distressing, all of us, every single human, we have defense mechanisms. Decompensation means those we get to a point of stress where they don't work any longer. Our normal ways of coping don't work. That's what's happening. This guy's decompensating. He's so mad that it literally doesn't occur to him that Twitter support, who he's trying to drag in here, because he's always been able to count on Twitter support before. They've always done what he said, just like they always do what the progressives and the trannies say. He doesn't get that Elon is the boss of them now. <laughs> Well, let's stay on Twitter. Girl, these Twitter employees are some pissed, let me tell you. So Time Magazine this week reprinted a letter from a group of people who called themselves the workers of Twitter. <laughs> and it's, it's a real treat. This is an example. This is a hard, clear example of how wrong people were to say it's just a few kids when they get into the real world their bosses won't put up with this 
and they will get a lesson and start acting like grown-ups. No, they won't, and no, they haven't. Why? Well, first of all, because some of them are millennials, and now the millennials are the parents of this generation of entitled little narcissists, little princes and princesses. Where are they going to get a lesson from when the people who hire them don't think there's anything wrong with their behavior? Imagine yourself. Think back 15 years ago. Imagine yourself during your 20s having a job somewhere at some company, maybe one of your first real jobs. And then imagine that you were the kind of person who would write an open letter like this to the billionaire who who now owns the company you work for. So here we go. Um, let's put the first one up here. And I'd like you to notice the lack of a proper salutation. And I'm not doing this to be picky. I'm doing it to point out um, how disconnected they are. They start out with staff, Elon Musk and board of directors, not even dear, no softener, right? They just staff, Elon Musk and board of directors, starting out like they're in a position of power. Well, here's what they have to say. We, the undersigned Twitter workers, believe the public conversation is in jeopardy. Elon Musk's plan to lay off 75% of Twitter workers will hurt Twitter's ability to serve the public conversation. A threat of this magnitude is reckless, undermines our users' and customers' trust in our platform, and is a transparent act of worker intimidation. Worker intimidation. What do you know about being a worker? You think you're the lumpen proletariat who's bringing in, you know, what little crop of wheat Lysenko let you grow in the Soviet Union? Give me a break. You sit in a goddamn office that's got foosball tables and free food and a goddamn coffee bar. I was in the Twitter coffee bar for employees. <laughs> Workers? You don't work. You sit there and masturbate all day on a, on a keyboard. Give me a break. Worker intimidation? It's intimidation to say that you're going to lay off workers. No, it's not. And it's not a threat either. It's a promise, honey. So what if, if McDonald's tells you, if they hire you, and McDonald's tells you that you have to wear their uniform and you have to sell their menu items and that you cannot disparage their menu items or you'll be fired, that's worker intimidation? <laughs> Next one. <clears throat> Twitter has significant effects on societies and communities across the globe. I'm sorry. Communities. As we speak, Twitter is helping to uplift independent journalism in Ukraine and Iran, as well as powering social movements around the world. You're not there to empower social movements at home or around the world. You are there to make a profit for a company whose product is selling microblog posts by millions, probably billions of people around the world. Did you know that? Did you know that your job is to make a profit? Do you know anything about United States corporation law in the free market? Anyone? No, no, you don't know anything. <laughs> Next one. <laughs> the histrionics just get thicker. A threat to... Okay, the voice... You're getting the voice. A threat to workers at Twitter is a threat to Twitter's future. These threats have an impact on us as workers and demonstrate a fundamental disconnect with the realities of operating Twitter. 
They threaten our livelihoods, access to essential health care, and the ability of visa holders to stay in the country they work in. We cannot do our work in an environment of constant harassment and threats. Without our work, there is no Twitter. (laughs) I'm Argentina and always will be. (laughs) Next one. We, the workers at Twitter, I can hear the Soviet music in the background. We, the workers at Twitter, will not be intimidated. We recommit to supporting the communities, organizations, and businesses who rely on Twitter. We will not stop serving the public conversation. We call on Twitter management and Elon Musk to cease these negligent layoff threats. As workers, we deserve concrete commitments so we can continue to preserve the integrity of our platform. But it's not your platform, is it? It's Elon's. Next. We demand of current and future leadership respect. We demand leadership to respect the platform and the workers who maintain it by committing to preserving the current headcount. Sorry. (laughs) Next, we demand safety. We demand that leadership does not discriminate against workers on the basis of their race, gender, disability, sexual orientation, or political beliefs. Oh, do you mean like you do every day to conservatives? We also demand safety for workers on visas who will be forced to leave the country they work in if they're laid off. Nobody in this country is responsible for upholding anybody's bloody visa plans. If they lose their job, they have to go back to their home country. This, I was talking to my, to my therapist this past week, and you're like, thank God, can you do that more, please? Um, and, and I said to him, I really think today that there is a, 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 just an obvious correlation between hard left progressivism and mental illness and personality disorders. I mean, of course, that's not something I haven't said before, but I really wanted to see what he would say. So, like, what do you think? Would you challenge that? He said, no, you're right. Um, But what he said is interesting, and, and it's applicable to this. The real correlate between high neuroticism, mental illness, and, and personality disorders is not the left, per se. It's It's... It it correlates with a trait that is almost exclusively on the left today. And that trait is people who want to be taken care of and believe they are entitled to be taken care of by governments and institutions and anyone that they can place in a parental figure. These are people who believe the government's job is to protect us. It's not. The government's job, yes, is to secure our borders is to protect us against uh, enemies, domestic and foreign. Yes, they are responsible for national security. It is not the government's job to protect our health, to protect our minds, to protect anything. That, that, that's baby talk. Baby talk. You, I, we, we're all responsible for protecting ourselves, period. End of story. <laughs> Unbelievable. One more. Well, here, here, that's why I told that story. I anticipated myself. Quote, protection. 
we demand Elon Musk explicitly commit to preserve our benefits, those both listed in the merger agreement and not, for example, remote work. We demand leadership establish and ensure fair severance policies for all workers before and after any change in ownership. Lots of luck. And finally, we demand dignity. We demand transparent, prompt, and thoughtful communication around our working conditions. We demand to be treated with dignity and to not be treated as mere pawns in a game played by billionaires. Sincerely, Twitter workers. You know, great idea. Insult your new boss. Insult him on the basis of his wealth. That'll do great. You know what? Sweeties. Poopykins. Dignity is as dignity does. I'll see you after the break. There's a new perk for disaffected subscribers, and it's a good one. Patreon and Subscribestar donors, as well as PayPal donors, now have instant access to our backstage Discord server. Join multiple topic-based chat rooms and 24-7 open voice chat, and even virtual events on a main stage for hosted conversations and backstage podcast recording sessions. It's not Twitter, and you don't have to pretend Bruce Jenner's vagina is real. Sign up today. Welcome back. I was really fooled by Barack Obama, by his oratorical skill, his smoothness of delivery, his education, his erudition. And I really hated Trump because he was the opposite of all of those things. Well, things have changed. I've changed. And I found that I prefer straight up, honest braggadocio to covert and cerebral narcissism. Barack Obama stoked the flames of the race war deliberately during his presidency, claiming young black men were being hunted by police officers, claiming that black people were being held back in the United States in the 21st century by systemic racism. And there was no place in the U.S., where systemic racism wasn't doing a racism to black people. It was happening in the public schools. It was happening in the universities. It was happening at Medicaid. It was happening in the welfare office. It's happening in city busing. And now, of course, uh, we've got um, all sorts of uh, wound collectors everywhere who are talking about the fact that things like hiking in nature and swimming pools are themselves inherently racist. But now, now Barack Obama, now he wants to pivot because that's what savvy narcissists do when the wind changes direction. And if you're wondering if I'm accusing Barack Obama of being a full-on narcissist, the answer is yes, I am. That is my opinion. Here's a few pieces, a few quotes from the newspaper, The Epoch Times, and I recommend this online newspaper. Very good. Let me frame it for you um, before we start actually showing you the article. All right. Former President Barack Obama has taken aim at the increasing rise in so-called cancel culture and branded some Democratic leaders as buzzkills. 
Obama, 61, made the comments in an interview on the Pod Save America podcast on Friday, just weeks before the midterm elections on November 8th, and shortly after his own half-brother, Malik Obama, endorsed the Republican candidate for governor in Pennsylvania, Doug Mastriano. Quote, I'm not even going to try to do Obama's voice because I haven't practiced, but if I practice, I'll, I'll, I'll do it for you later. Not this week, later. I think we, Democrats, do get into trouble, Obama said, noting that he himself would sometimes end up speaking a bunch of policy gobbledygook when he would deliver speeches that were a little too, quote, professorial. Ah, sure. Pretend modesty. Pretend that you see your faults and shortcomings. Obama puts on the professorial act deliberately because liberals, and especially, especially liberal white women, older liberal white women, boomers, who are still living in their glory days in the 60s and bragging about how they went down to Alabama and marched with so-and-so. Yeah, I know a lot of them. They love them an articulate black man. Ooh, girl, do they love it. Quote, and that's not how people think about these issues, Obama said. They think about them in terms of, you know, the life I'm leading day to day. How does politics, how is it even relevant to the things I care most deeply about? My family, my kids, work that gives me satisfaction, not being a buzzkill, right? And sometimes Democrats are. (laughs) Notice the change in tone. How is it even relevant? Not being a buzzkill, right? I mean, I know he doesn't actually speak that way, but like, It sounds like he does. (laughs) Next quote. It's like sometimes people just want to not feel as if they are walking on (laughs) eggshells. And they want some acknowledgement that life is messy and that all of us at any given moment can say things the wrong way or make mistakes. Yeah. Well, you, sir, lined the floor with the eggshells. You did that. That was your DIY. You replaced our usual tough and durable linoleum with new eggshell crystals, and now you want to see if we noticed. Well, we noticed. Get out of here, you phony. Here's an interesting one. Mom gets arrested in New York State for letting her kid get a tattoo. You know, there's a scene from the adult cartoon Family Guy. Um, The father of one of the main characters is a trans woman. So trans woman is seated at the bar in his ladies' finery watching videos on his phone and the bartender comes up and says excuse me ma'am no porn at the bar the troon turns and says oh oh it's okay I'm transgender and the bartender says oh I I had no idea do whatever you want all the time (laughs) keep that in mind while we talk about this story this is from the Washington Examiner A mother in New York was taken into custody after allowing her 10-year-old son to get a tattoo. Crystal Thomas, of course her name is Crystal. Crystal Thomas, 33, is accused of allowing her child to get a tattoo of his name at a, quote, transient hotel in Highland, New York. That means it's a flop house. A state where minors are allowed to undergo gender transitions, according to reports. 
Quote, Thomas, who was reportedly staying at the location with her two children, the Flophouse, was arrested and charged with endangering the welfare of a child. She allowed her 10-year-old to receive a large permanent ink tattoo on his body, according to the Lloyd Police Department. But I'm confused. If mommy orders up a mastectomy for her daughter, that's okay, right? And if mommy wants to turn her son into a facsimile of a girl, well, it's fine for her to sterilize him with cross-sex hormones, right? I mean, what mother wouldn't do that? Explain this to me. Explain this to me in a way that I can understand. No one is going to explain it. They're not going to explain it to you. They're not going to explain it to me. They can't explain it to themselves. It's, it's lunacy. It's lunacy. How many times have we seen in the news stories about children who are being put on a path to lifelong crippledom? Yeah, I used the word cripple. I used it uh, two weeks ago, too. If it triggers you, let me know, and I'll keep doing it until it doesn't trigger you anymore. How many times have we seen this happen, and the news media does a glowing, gauzy, soft focus little family feature about how beautiful and loving it is for girls to get their tits chopped off and have a zigzag Frankenstein scar across their chest, even to the point of cutting their entire nipples off? Or the boys who get their testicles removed and their penises sliced open and turned inside out to make a hole, a hole that goes nowhere. But we're going to have a big story about how we got on this mama who gave her kid a tattoo. (laughs) Yeah. Greatest country in the world, right? Last, last quote from this. This, this is it's just the cherry on the Sunday. Police are also searching for the artist who gave the minor a tattoo, the report noted. But they're not police. They're not searching for the thousands of doctors and nurses who are maiming children right now, right out in the open at Boston Children's Hospital, at Vanderbilt University Medical Center, at the University of Vermont Medical Center's gender clinic. Why not? They're right there. They're right there. They're all in one space, right? <laughs> I mean, you, could, you could do it like old school um, uh, Spider-Man style and just throw a net over them and haul the whole thing in at once and call it a day. Not looking for them. Why? I don't think Crystal Thomas should have been allowed to give her kid a tattoo. And I can tell you with almost absolute certainty what hell those children are living in, given a mother who would give her child a tattoo and who lives in a flop house. All right, enough. Let's have a little fun because it's Halloween. Well, it'll be Halloween tomorrow when you're watching this. Except no, because if you're watching it a year from now, never mind. I get mixed up about times and dates on TV things. So (laughs) what I'm about to show you is one of the reasons why you should give us money. That is, sign up to financially support our little show, 
that runs on a shoestring, please. Patreon.com slash disaffected. Subscribestar.com slash disaffected. Or one-offs by PayPal to us at disaffected.fm. Why? Because it gets you into our Discord. I don't know if I've said this before. Discord is just chat rooms. I've, I've had a couple people say to me recently, I've never, I don't know what to do in Discord. If It's just an online chat room. If you remember anything like IRC, Internet Relay Chat, or even AOL chat rooms, it's the same thing. That's all it is. It's just we have a server. The server is, is, is the space where only people who are um, connected to Disaffected are allowed in. And we have multiple channels with topics like, you know, how was your day, politics, news, religion, stuff like that. It's just online chat rooms. It's nothing complicated. You don't need to learn a new way to do computers. But this is where we get the dankest possible memes. People in there are funny, you guys. So this year's hottest Halloween costumes, courtesy of the disaffected Discord. First, we have the Hunter Biden costume. And for my... Audio only, listeners. We've got a picture of Mr. Biden, uh, that very famous one where he's standing um, with his hands on his hips, jutting his um, his pouch forward in his jock straps with some sort of like stupid Warren Beatty uh, cravat around his neck. <laughs> and they're all it's in this Halloween costume from that chain spirit Halloween stores. Uh, this costume is Ukrainian oil and gas company board member. <laughs> Next one is for um, the fancy men. This is Woodshop Teacher, featuring um, our favorite Woodshop Teacher from where? What Trafalgar? Was it Trafalgar High School in the province of Ontario, Canada? Um, the guy who wears a massive prosthetic set of tits that are so big they hang down below uh, his belly button and spandex, and just goes to work and says it's his gender identity. And and yeah, I know, I know. You know what? I'm imagining the live chat right now because um, as I record this, it's Saturday. But when you see it, it's going to be Sunday and I'm going to be looking at the live chat. And I know that somebody in the live chat, are you doing it right now? Somebody stop your typing right now. Yes, he might be a troll. He might be doing it on purpose. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if he's honest and genuine or if he's doing it to prove a point. The point has been proven regardless. The school defended him. So this costume includes prosthetic bosom, yoga pants, glasses, sneaker, and face diaper. (laughs) And perhaps my favorite costume. I should have gotten this one. (laughs) It's a lib of TikTok. (laughs) You've got this chick with danger hair. She, all of her hair is shaved except for the danger bangs that are uh, dyed magenta. And she's got the, you know, the really drawn on makeup and, and, the, and those big eyes and that ugly winged eyeliner. Ladies, I have to tell you about winged eyeliner. I'm sorry. I know I'm going off script here a little bit. Just because winged eyeliner is in vogue does not mean that it necessarily flatters you. Not everybody can wear that. Okay, it reminds me of when back in the 90s, when Caesar haircuts for men were all the rage, every bloody barber and hairdresser I went to tried to give me a Caesar cut. It looks horrible on me. It looks awful. It looks really, really stupid. And I kept telling them, 
I am not a slave to fashion. I know that you want to give me the cut that you're having a really good time because you see it in all of your hairdresser magazines, but it doesn't flatter me. It makes me look unattractive. They never listen. So stop with the winged eyeliner, okay? And especially if you've got hooded eyes like me, you can't wear it. I'm sorry. Just don't wear it. Anyway, <laughs> so back to the lib of TikTok. I don't know. Somebody's either been watching this show or they're just naturally smart because here's what the costume includes. Pronouns, <laughs> several piercings, personality disorder, <laughs> fluorescent hair you guys look somebody else knows that they all have borderline personality disorder i just love it so you want more where that came from patreon subscribe star paypal join us support us help us grow and get some crunk memes honey we'll see you after the break there's a new perk for disaffected subscribers and it's a good one Patreon and Subscribestar donors, as well as PayPal donors, now have instant access to our backstage Discord server. Join multiple topic-based chat rooms and 24-7 open voice chat, and even virtual events on a main stage for hosted conversations and backstage podcast recording sessions. It's not Twitter, and you don't have to pretend Bruce Jenner's vagina is real. Sign up today. Welcome back and get ready to bust a gut because this stuff is hysterical. Climate activists. <laughs> so you probably know that, oh, I don't know, week and a half ago, two weeks ago now, a couple of girls with danger hair threw a can of tomato soup at Van Gogh's sunflower painting and then they glued their hands to the wall and they start, you know, they were like, right? You know, they're, they're, they're literally like Muppets. You can picture their heads like going, like guys smiling. Um, it's bad enough, <clears throat> pardon me, when children do it. And I know they're not actually children, but they are children. But when adults do it, take a look at this. This is, this is a protest from a, 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 an auto show that I think took place in Germany, somewhere in Europe. <laughs> Look at this guy. This is, um, I, I'm going to show you his tweets. This dude's name is Gianluca Grimalda. <laughs> that was my NPR pronunciation. Thank you. Um, this guy looks to be about 50 years old and like, he's, girl, he's wrecked. Okay, he just, he's wrecked. Um, <laughs> he's sitting he's sitting on the floor in front of a beauty lit Porsche at this auto show with his hand behind him, you know, glued to the ground. He says this. Together with 15 other members of Scientist Rebel One. I, I, I know I interrupt quotes all the time. 50-year-olds using Star Trek. No, not Star Trek. Star Wars. It would be just as bad if it was Star Trek. But Star Wars? Seriously? Really? <laughs> Come on. All right, back to the quote. Together with 15 other members of Scientist Rebel One, I have occupied the Porsche Pavilion at Ultostadt. Nine of us have glued to the floor, 
<laughs> not even glued ourselves. We glued to the floor. It's an intransitive verb. Glued to the floor and some of us on hunger strike until our demands to decarbonize the German transport sector are met. Get a load of this. <laughs> Here's a picture of one, two, three, four, five, six. And I will note, these are all men. Usually it's young women doing this stuff, but these... Yeah, these pussy men are doing it. They're all wearing white lab coats, you know, because they're capital S scientists, like they actually wear white lab coats to their job. (laughs) So they're all just big wide angle picture of the six of them, you know, all all glued. Says this. VW, Volkswagen told us that they supported our right to protest, but they refused our request to provide us with a bowl to urinate and defecate in a decent manner while we are glued and have turned off the heating. People in support can't get out of the building. People in support, you have a department. Scientist Rebel One has a support department. You know you're on somebody else's property, right? Right? No, you don't. You, you, you don't. Oh, all right. I'm sorry. I forgot. You don't believe in private property. Right. Marxist. Got it. They wouldn't give us a bowl to... (laughs) They wouldn't give them a shitting bowl. (laughs) Do you know what a shitting bowl is? It's like a singing bowl, except uh, instead of a little gong, you just go... The entitlement, the unbelievable entitlement. They actually believe that they have been done wrong. These trespassers, and that's what they are. They are trespassers. They believe they've been done wrong by being denied a shitting bowl by the company that they're illegally uh, trespassing into. Don't you just love it? (laughs) Next one. (laughs) Also from Gianluca Grimalda. Just a clarification, people in support can get out of the building, but then they couldn't get back in. We can't order our food. We must use the one provided by Volkswagen. Lights off, random unannounced checks by security guards with bright torches. Police just came in. We can't order our food. They can't order Uber Eats. They're being denied their human rights to order food delivery while they're trespassing. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) What is this? Don't make me get all bone quee-quee on your ass. Welcome to VW Burger, where you can have it your way, but do not get crazy. Shoot. (laughs) And one more. (laughs) Gianluca says, I love so much all fellow scientists supporting us outside. Heart emoji. You don't know how important this is for us. Oh, Gianluca. Honey. (laughs) (laughs) All right. That's enough fun. Now it's time for a lesson. Get your notebooks out. We're going to talk about Cluster B. And we're going to talk about how cluster B values have become norms, uh, normal mainstream values. And this this little segment was inspired by uh, a viewer who's in our Discord, Simon. Thank you very much, Simon. 
and he asked me to address the topic of how cluster B values have become normal and mainstreamed. Um, the biggest way that this has happened is the reversal that I talk about all the time. Villains become victims. Um, heroes become villains. Bitter for sweet, dark for light, truth for lies, lies for truth. And, and it's often described using the acronym DARVO, which stands for Deny, Attack, and Reverse Victim and Offender. That is, that's a universal tool in the Cluster B toolkit. They all use it, every single one of them. How do you know, Josh? Like, maybe there's one out there who doesn't. Well, I don't know. Why don't you go ask them? <laughs> Another way um, that this has been mainstreamed, this distorted way of emoting and relating to other people, is how people who are actually being aggressive and breaking social rules or even breaking laws characterize themselves as victims and they get away with it. And, and it's almost universal today. Cluster B, and when I say cluster B, I'm almost talking about it as if it's personified, and, and, and I am aware that I'm doing that. Um, I'm, not, I'm not saying that every single person who engages in these twisted psychological dynamics is personality disordered, because that isn't true. Most people are not personality disordered. However, the minority of people who are, and that minority has grown substantially over 30 to 40 years. I no longer believe the estimates of 1% to 3% of the population having a cluster B personality disorder. I think it's closer to 10%. Even those who are not personality disordered, all of us, all of us are much more narcissistic and emotionally fragile than we used to be. And those who are particularly vulnerable to it may have may have really high narcissistic traits. They may have a high level of emotional instability, some borderline traits, even if they don't, they don't get to the level of severity where you would call it um, a full personality disorder. So when I talk about cluster B personified, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about it in, in a broad and general way that includes both the people themselves and their flying monkeys, their adherents and henchmen. Cluster B impersonates. It possesses like a demon possesses an individual. At first, you think you're dealing with your next-door neighbor. She looks and sounds like your next-door neighbor at first, for a while, until you start to notice that something is off. Cluster B also steals, or to use modern lingo, it appropriates. Cluster B takes words, symbols, concepts that are familiar to us, and it perverts their meaning. And I'm speaking in the, in the original sense of, of pervert. It didn't originally have a sexual connotation. It's from the Latin. It means to turn away from, to turn something away from, turn it into the wrong direction. It perverts it. Much like the Ivy League universities are burning through their prestige that they acquired a long time ago by doing actual good work, they're burning through that prestige in order to get away with frank and brazen Marxist activism. The cluster B drive steals moral concepts and wears them like a skin suit and impersonates them. It's, it's a form of drag, very effective and dangerous drag. Here are some examples. 
these are examples of how we collectively as society, we have internalized cluster B values. Most of us, even if, even if we're not thinking of this consciously, most of us believe the following things. Don't be judgmental. In the past, you could give that warning. This was a warning that, a, that your mother gave you when you were being too critical of people, when you were not walking a mile in their shoes, when you were not making any effort to put yourself in that person's shoes and to see through their eyes. So in that, in that, in that sense, it's a, it's a normal and a wise thing to advise somebody, especially a young person. When you're not minding your own business, when you're not actually extending any empathy at all. In normal circumstances, that's sound advice, but Cluster B owns that term now. Don't judge is used to silence all discernment. Discernment is important. And to silence all criticism. It masquerades as concern for giving others a fair shake, for example, but it's really about silencing you from objecting to any boundary violations, to any interpersonal abuse, or objecting to any lying. Don't be judgmental. Don't judge. Don't discriminate is the same thing. Think about the word discrimination. Notice the automatic emotions and associations that came up in your head. Take a moment here. Think of the emo- What did you think of when I said the word discriminate? Many of you, I'd, I'd bet at least half of you, probably more than half, the first thing you thought of was racial discrimination probably, right? Because that's the association that's closest in our minds. You think of racism or you think of sexism or you think of transphobia. The term has become so wedded to these current social taboos that we forget that it has its own meaning and it has a place. Every time you choose Palmolive dish soap over Dawn dishwashing liquid, you have discriminated. You discriminated and made a choice between two products. You judged one to be a better value than another. Yes, when you judge one thing to be better, that means you have done a negative too. You judged another thing to be worse. Did you just commit a social sin by discriminating between Dawn and Palmolive? Don't, don't, don't come back. We're not talking about dish soap. We're talking about people. I know. We're going to get there. I'm sorry. You're probably not that snotty. I'm just making that up in my head. When you hire a more competent applicant over a less competent applicant for a job, you have discriminated. You discriminated between two candidates. When you recommend one book and you compare it to another one unfavorably, you have also discriminated. Practice this. Run this through your mind enough times that you lose the automatic negative taboo associations with the words discriminate, discern, or judge. We've got to take these back. I talk about this a lot on this show, how we, we stop ourselves from actually making normal judgments that responsible adults actually have a duty to make. We do have to. Uh, it's not just that we're allowed to. We have a duty to do this. We can't not judge. We can't not discriminate. Every single decision we make from where to put our feet when we get out of bed to when to cross the street is a judgment call. We discriminate among two different options. It's not evil and bad just because sometimes the options that we have to consider are people. I'm not talking about unfair discrimination. I'm not talking about bigotry 
promoted discrimination. I'm saying discrimination and judgment still exist in the world and still need to be used. Think about what you're being asked to do when you are told don't judge, don't discriminate. What they're telling you is do not use your judgment, do not exercise your critical faculties, don't compare, and do not by any means never notice the difference between a healthy thing and an unhealthy thing. Remember, healthy at every size, that's fat phobia. Don't notice it. It's just healthy. That, that's, what, that, that, that's what this has gotten us. Do you like this? Is this a place you want to stay? I don't. Let's not stay here, okay? This is what Cluster B is asking you to do. It has hypnotized most of society, and we don't even notice it. All right, we're going to bring this to a close with a little bit of good news. The pushback against transing children in the United States is underway. Matt Walsh held a very successful rally outside the Capitol in Tennessee within the past couple of weeks and uh, against university, uh, no, not University of Vermont, that's me, um, Vanderbilt University Medical Center and their transitioning of children. There were, uh, I think the the estimated count was 3,000 people were there. There were counter-protesters, but there were only about 1,500. That's a good sign. Here's another one from um, the post-millennial. Hi, Libby. I'm saying hi to Libby Emmons. She's the editor of Post Millennial. We went to college together. She's fantastic, and so is the publication. You should read it. Michigan GOP proposes bill making medicalized gender transition of minors a felony. Quote, a bill has been introduced by Republicans in Michigan that would make the medicalized gender transitions of minors first-degree child abuse punishable by up to life imprisonment. Under the proposed House Bill 6454, a person would be found guilty of child abuse in the first degree if the person knowingly or intentionally consents to, obtains, or assists with a gender transition procedure for a child. I love this uncompromising and broad language. It's about damn time, and this should have happened years ago. A little more from the story. This would include parents or guardians and physicians or other licensed medical professionals and would be punishable by imprisonment for life or any term of years. And one of the sponsors, Bo Lefebvre, a legislator in Michigan, said, The idea that we would be making potentially life-altering changes to 11, 12, 13, 14, 15-year-old kids when it is illegal for them to have sex is insane. I mean, they're not responsible enough to smoke a cigarette until they're 21. This is what he told the newspaper The Hill. In his statement to The Hill, Lefebvre said he is also optimistic that most Republicans in the state legislature will support the bill, and he believes most Michigan Democrats would also agree with the measure, but they cannot publicly say so without damaging their political career. He's right about that. But that doesn't let them off the hook. All of you Democrats who won't say anything. You're on the road to hell, too, and I want to see you burn there. You're just as responsible. Should the bill pass, Michigan would join Alabama, Arkansas, and Arizona in taking actions to end the practice of medically altering the bodies of children who believe themselves to be transgender. And the last thing we have for you is another mama bear, the right kind of mama bear. We're going to take you out with a clip from the Michael Knowles show. The Charlotte-Mecklenburg schools in North Carolina 
are apparently promoting a gay sex guide to seventh graders. Here is a, a mother showing up to a school board meeting, just reading. And I, I have instructed, by the way, our editors to bleep this very, very liberally because it's actually scandalous and obscene. And I don't want to expose my listeners to it. But this is the sort of thing that seventh graders are being exposed to in their schools in Carolina. This book is gay by Juno Dawson was found in a seventh grade classroom at Collinswood Middle School. It was also on the ELA recommended reading list for seventh graders at J.M. Robinson. I'm going to read from chapter nine, the ins and outs of gay sex, starting at page 201, part one, boy on boy sex. Perhaps the most important skill you will master as a gay or bi man is a timeless classic, the hand Good news is you can practice it on yourself. The bad news is each guy has become very used to his own way of getting himself Learning how to find a partner's personal style can take ages, but it can be very rewarding when you do. A good is all about the wrist action. Rub the head of his back and forth with your hand. Try different speeds and pressures until he responds positively. A bad is grasping a and shaking it like a ketchup bottle. It's no wonder that 92% of CMS graduating seniors aren't college or career ready when you're instructing them on how to give blow and instead of teaching them how to add and subtract. Superintendent, you stated this book was, quote, brought into the classroom by a teacher with no intent to allow students access. Any teacher that puts material like this on his or her bookshelf is, is either up. a bad teacher or a pedophile who grooms Thank children. You. Two minutes are up. Happy Halloween, everybody. See you next week. The days of Disaffected on Twitter are over, but you can still follow and interact with us on several alternative social media platforms. Find us on Getter at DisaffectedPod. Follow us on Truth Social at Disaffected. You can also find us on Parlor at DisaffectedPod.